This is the Sexual Alchemy Podcast for men who want to discover and embrace profound confidence, intimacy, pleasure, and connection. I'm Rebecca Lowry, and I invite you to explore who you really are as a confident, sexual, and sensual man. Whether you're dealing with specific sexual issues or you just know there's more to it than you've experienced so far, this is a safe space for you to learn, grow, and expand your erotic potential and possibilities. Hello, and welcome to the Sexual Alchemy Podcast. Today, I'm very excited to chat with the very lovely Laura Beesbrode. Laura is a matchmaker and she is the managing director and senior matchmaker at thematchmaker.uk. Following a successful 30-year career in PR marketing, she reimagined her passion for people and networking and created her own exclusive matchmaking service in the process. Laura takes an interdisciplinary approach to matchmaking, masterfully blending her skills and her team of an in-house psychologist, dating coach, stylist, assistant matchmaker, and collaborating with local and international matchmakers to concoct the best possible matches. She's very enthusiastic about what she does, and I'm really looking forward to chatting with her. Laura, welcome. Laura, the matchmaker. I've been so looking forward to chatting with you. We first met and chatted probably six months ago, I think it was. Not sure. Tell us, tell the audience who you are and what you do. Well, first of all, thank you, Rebecca, for having me on your podcast. It's so exciting. I'm so happy to be here. So I am Lara Besbrode. I'm the MD, certified matchmaker and founder of The Matchmaker UK, which means that my team and I are responsible for making um, very bespoke introductions for our clients who are often professionals from all walks of life, successful in their career, successful in their life, unsuccessful in their love life. And that's where we come in, me in particular. (laughs) Beautiful, beautiful. So, and I was thinking about what I wanted to ask you and what I thought my guys, I call, I call my guys, my guys, you know, my my clients, my listeners, my guys, what they might want to know. And I thought, I know what matchmaking is, but is it what it says on the tin? Is it like, how do you, Tell us, tell me a little bit more specifically what it is for someone who might not have heard of it. Absolutely. Absolutely. So I like to describe the service that I offer as the top of the dating food chain, if you like. Love and, it. you know, if you had a game of snakes and ladders and, you know, when we when we hit the roll the dice and get to the bottom of the ladder, our opportunity is to go up the ladder, isn't it? At the bottom of the ladder on the dating journey are date apps like Tinder and Plenty of Fish and Bumble to name, you know, and Match. And I mean, there are millions of date apps. Obviously, I've just cited some of the popular ones uh, or the mo- more commonly known ones. And you've got no no one holding your hand. There's no due diligence. You don't know who you're speaking to. They could be fake. They could be in a different country. There's no preference matching. And as you make your way up the dating ladder, you've got dating agencies who will take a little bit more time and care to look after you on your dating journey. And then right at the very top of the dating ladder, you've got elite matchmakers like myself who are certified. You know, I'm trained. And my expertise and sort of my own intuition come into play 
And I have my company, you know, we have a 30 point preference matching system. So that means if you come to me, um, you know, one of your chaps comes to me and he is single and he may have been single for a while. He may be divorced. He may be widowed. He may have no relationship experience or he may be very experienced and he might be time poor, for example, or just not socially interested or into the process that it takes to meet another human being. When you come to the matchmaker, i.e. like myself, so we don't just go out and find you somebody. We get to know you. There is a whole sort of protocol and procedure behind how we go and find somebody, where we go and find somebody for you. And then, of course, all of the feedback and the work with this. So, for example, it isn't just a, here you go, here's a date, off you go, see ya you know, you're not on your own and you're, and I'm handholding right through that journey with an expert team, could be date coaches, could be psychotherapists, could be coaches, it could be people like yourself who help that individual on their journey because it isn't easy. It's not straightforward. There's no straight route up that ladder, literally. And so I sit at the top of that ladder and um, people come to me from all walks of life to, uh, for that expert help. I have to tell you, I mean, you just make it sound like a gourmet meal, you know, like, (laughs) (laughs) like, sure, if you're hungry, you could go to some, you know, you can go get fast food, but ultimately that doesn't, it might satisfy a quick hunger, but it's not nutritious kind of thing. And And you're offering that full nutritious meal. (laughs) Absolutely. And, you know, you've just touched on something, fast food, fast dating. Tinder and all of these apps have an algorithm built into it that our our interaction is based on the fact that as human beings, we make a decision within three seconds, thereabouts, a visual decision. So these apps are based on an instant visual gratification. And that's where the whole concept of swiping right, swiping left. Now, The reality is that, yes, when we meet somebody, whether it be for business or for pleasure, whether it be for dating or for socializing, we will make that instant decision. Do I like this person? Do I not? And it's not. It's visual. It's the chemicals that the body's releasing. It's their body language and our body language. And you cannot get that in three seconds when you're on a date app. And then when you look at the science and the, the fact that all of these date apps are functioning by a computer, by AI, they're artificial intelligence. Mm. So that means there is no human involvement and you're putting your potential future, your potential dating into the hands of quite literally into artificial intelligence who each time you swipe is building information on you. And what it does is it pumps forward fake profiles. And I saw a fascinating article um, from the industry that talks about how many fake profiles are built into these systems. And it constantly, they message you, they message you, hey there, hi there, how you doing? And you never, you like, you sign up to these apps within the first day, you're bombarded with gorgeous looking people from the opposite sex or same sex, depending on, you know, what your, what your preference is. And you're like, oh my God. And as a human, you know, we get that instant dopamine rush and we're like, oh, wow, you know, I'm liked, I'm wanted, I'm respected. Somebody wants me, I'm sexual. And then the drop because yeah. you don't get the response. And so again, when a client is coming to the matchmaker, we are doing all that front-ended work. You know, my job and my team's job 
is to take away that constant high and low and peaks and troughs that a person goes through in the dating experience. And we just bring to them the actual introduction. So that part is done. Yeah. The next part is the complicated step as to how to then date. And then that's, you know, my remit is that to get them to that part. And they may then obviously have the areas that you specialize in and that you work on. And I may then refer them to you, for example, because sometimes we don't even know that we've got blockages within us, especially with my clients who may be a widowed. And they come to me saying, you know, it's been 20 years or it's been two years or it's been three months and I'm ready. And I say to them, have you had sex? Have you been intimate? And they go, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I said, and you know that it's all working and you know that you're able to deal with how it works. And it's always at that point that, you know, we find out that things perhaps aren't as straightforward. And often I will say to those clients, well, then we need to look alternatively to which direction we're going to go, because there's no way I, as a business owner and a certified matchmaker, should take on somebody who isn't fully ready for that journey. And by fully ready, you mean like emotionally, mentally, and all the ways. That's amazing, you know, because like, as you say, even as a business owner, some people would just take people, wouldn't they? And not they do. have morals around that. And where... They, do. they mm. really do. And I have learned in the short time um, that I've been doing this, whilst looking at the competitors in the market and speaking to some of my competitors, you know, that in general, and, and unfortunately, I think that on a sort of, as an industry whole, the reason why the dating industry, the matchmaking industry per se, maybe does have some negative press is featured on the fact that maybe um, it's more money focused Mm -hmm. and less focused on success and client satisfaction. And my business is built on client satisfaction. I don't stop until I get them where they want to be. Yeah. And so for you, because like, I know you have a team that, as you just said, that supports the client if they're not ready to grow into someone who is ready. Yes. Yeah. And people have expectations and you'll know this yourself Rebecca that when you initially meet somebody and you ask them some challenging questions about that journey they can be very closed to closed to facing the truth you know they believe they're ready their perception is that they're ready their friends tell them they're ready their mother tells them that they're ready right that's it I'm ready I'm ready for a relationship go bring it and when somebody like myself asks those types of questions And we identify, it might not be at the beginning, it might be the third introduction in. And I'm getting the same feedback from the people that I've introduced that client to. um, Oh, they behave like this or, oh, they did that. They've been over sexual or under sexual or, you know, over intimate or the conversational, the sexual language has been wrong. Their emotional intelligence is wrong. Then the red flags arise. And it's by having that very close relationship with the client and having constant feedback before, during and after an introduction which again, you don't get on a date app. You don't get that when a friend, don't. you know, a friend <laughs> says to you, oh, I've got the most amazing woman for you. She's amazing. She's exactly what you're looking for. How does the friend know that? And let me tell you, she will fit you perfectly. And you are in a very difficult situation because of course you almost, you want to please your friend. They've done this amazing thing for you. Um, the friend doesn't know that you might have issues with your, you know, you might be impotent. You might not, you know, whatever stage you're at in your journey and you don't want to tell the friend, you don't want to let them down. You want to go on the date. How do they know the person's right? You know, so therefore 
when people say to me, oh, I don't need a matchmaker. I'm absolutely fine. I get dates easily. And the mm. question always hanging over is, but you're still single. Right. How's that working out for you? <laughs> How's that working out for you? Yeah. I have to say, you know, of the men I see, I would say about maybe I'm very bad at percentage, maybe 50% are in relationships and 50% aren't. It may be more 70 aren't and 30 are. And the ones who aren't in relationship, I would say that most of those, not all of them, most of them eventually would like to be in a relationship. By the time they come to see me, they're not in a hurry. They've recognized the stuff you're talking about that, you know, they have some emotional, mental, physical, spiritual, sexual stuff to work on. But I have a few guys where we've, we've done a lot of the work and they're ready to dip their toe. Dip their toe. That's perfect. Cause I wasn't sure what to say to dip the toe. And so we, some of them have gone on to dating apps and I'll talk to them about that and say, you know, it's a way to talk to women, to practice, you know, going from an email to a phone call, maybe, maybe from a phone call to a cup of tea. However, and there's always a giant caveat, however, in there, I think that those apps and dating websites often end up soul destroying. Very much so. I mean, you know? Exactly. I would say, and again, going back to statistics and percentages that we didn't really want to do, but I would say it is as high as 90% of my clients will come to me and cite that one of the reasons that they're coming to me is because they are so dissatisfied with date apps, Mm. not with blind dates, friends dates, bumping into people, because of course, now that we're coming back out into the world, post lockdown, et cetera, et cetera, So with that in mind, if you have got any vulnerability or have gone through a lot of new self-development and working on yourself, the problem that you and I probably both will encounter is that our clients can in fact damage themselves and damage the journey that they've put so much time and effort and financial, you know, and expense into by putting themselves into these environments. And it literally is like the Wild West. Um, you know, there is yes. so many different issues, especially, if, and, and there are expert people, and in, in your instance, because you work with men, there are expert women, and there are expert people pretending to be women mm. on these apps with the sole intention of defrauding you financially, using you, abusing you, being rude to you, being far too overtly sexual to you. I have a client that I'm working with last, was it last year? It was in the pandemic. You know, he lost £17,000 to a woman on a date app. Uh, He did actually meet her. And then he found out she was married. And she was a woman in her, he's in his 50s. She was a woman in her late 40s. And she she was married and had no intention of leaving her husband. And, you know, he described to me what he bought her, you know, all trinkets and handbags. But, you know, then it started to become paying the food shopping. And so, you know, you've got a scenario here where they this could be what they do. You know, this is husband and wife team. This is what they do. You know, it's almost like a form of prostitution, isn't it? You know, who knows the circumstances that the individual doing it is under. So with that in mind, you've got no way of I mean, you you really are putting your life in your hands when you you look at a date app and what can start off as something lighthearted and I'll dip my toe 
you can get hooked. You know, I, I have clients that come to me and they say to me, um, you know, they're still on date apps when they're with me. And they say to me, well, I'm just meeting such and such. And I'm like, so tell me something. You've invested in someone uh, in a professional like myself services because of the due diligence and all of the things that I've I've covered earlier. And yet still, and they say to me and they, and, and, and they justify it by saying, well, you know what, Lara, that's just fun. But the reality is, you know, they've invested billions Mm -hmm. capturing you and drawing you in. Once you click that button, they will do everything. You know, they monitor you. They know exactly what your type is from whatever you put in. The system will will literally. Isn't it interesting that all of the people that you match are your type? Wow. And there's, I think there's some other things going on here. I mean, obviously the the apps are smart and know what it takes to keep you on the app. There's a, like you said before, there's a dopamine issue. The pleasure center is out of whack in the brain, potentially. And also I would question gently and lovingly, of course, the amount of self-awareness there, the amount of readiness there, because whatever gender is generally ready. And like you say, investing in someone like yourself, then it's time to stop the snack food Mm. and have enough self-awareness that I'm committing to myself and I'm committing to this journey and I'm committing to whoever it is that's on the way to me. And, you know, it's a funny thing. I, cause I, I did, um, tried dating apps before I was with my partner and the same as what, I mean, that was years ago now, but same as what my clients tell me now is, you know, you might meet one or two people, but usually they're not looking for what they tell you they're looking for, or their pictures were 20 years old. I had one of those. Oh my God. But many of them were, I would think, oh, there's something here. Let's do this. Let's like, you know, give some time and attention. And like you say, but they were still on the app and I could see that they were still using the app. Yeah, well, they talk, so they're talking to you, but they're having the same conversation. Because there might be something better around the corner. Yeah. And yeah. that attitude for me shows that there's still some yeah. so self-awareness the, work to do. Absolutely. So, you know, that is commonly, you know, that's FOMO, the fear of missing out. You know, the 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 point in, in our lives, especially when we're with a matchmaker, that we will determine when we are exclusive. We, in my client agreement, when you've had three dates, with that person three dates not being in the same week but preferably over about you know two to three months you know that that person you've you know you've carried on with your life but you've factored factored and we're not talking a cup of coffee we've talked an actual full-blown planned made serious effort got dressed up made it into an occasion kind of a date when you hit three dates you are in a relationship with that person whether they like it or not for me that's a year off my books. Right, right. You know, because there has to be, there has to be some clear boundaries and guidelines as to how we, especially, you know, in my environment, how do we, otherwise the person, because of course, again, going back to that dopamine fix, if a person has signed up with a matchmaker and somebody could say to me, well, well, when does it end? You know, when does it stop? Well, you know, yes, they get X amount of introductions in return for a fee. And that fee, te- you know, that those introductions take place over a period of time. But what if we never find the one? You know, right? They want more and more and more. So you have to be able to, in this journey, put boundaries in place. Just like in the same way that you'll work with your clients, there has to be boundaries. And often, the kind of people that will come to me as a matchmaker, they are often 
top of their career, successful CEO, doctors, lawyers, they have, and they're very used to perhaps being in charge of people, departments, teams, and very used to getting their own way and very used to taking control. So when that is applied to your life and your relationships and your love life and your love language, it's very different. And of course, that also takes some serious, serious self-awareness and self-development. So, and and it's really interesting because that that is my um, my, my core market, if you like. Yeah. Um, and people presume if you've got the money, the success, the lifestyle, maybe the looks, then why would you be single? But it certainly gets harder as you get to the top of that ladder. Yeah, yeah. and you know, people are single for lots and lots of reasons, aren't they? Like you say, you might have widowers. Some people haven't had the time. I meet a lot of guys also top of their game, but because they've been focused on that, they haven't focused on relationships, intimacy, whatever. It's been an area that scares them or where they had some bad experiences. So they haven't looked back or, you know, a a million things. I mean, I work with guys who are coming to the, like the gold watch part of their career and were like married to their career. And now they're like, hmm, maybe I would like some intimacy. Before I forget, I want to go back back to something you said, which I hadn't thought of before, which I think is a really good point to make clearly, which is people would go to a matchmaker specifically to look for a relationship rather than to date around, right? Like if somebody was wanting, like occasionally, not everyone I work with who wants to date, occasionally someone I work with never dated, because they kind of miss that developmental stage for whatever reason. And so they want to go on a few different dates with a few different people just to, it's like to go through that developmental stage. And although they might ultimately want a relationship, they're not in a hurry. So by the time someone comes to you, they need to be really looking for a relationship, not wanting to date around. Is that right? Um, I think in answer to that question, it's probably related to the cost of this service. You know, this is a bespoke service. It's Mm. not a suck it and see kind of a, let's go on a free date app or let me pay my £10 a month subscription fee to the Times soulmates or whatever. You know, it's a considerable investment. So that's often why we would know that a person who's investing in the services of the matchmaker wants to have a relationship. Because we do know that there are different ways of dating. So, for example, um, would a serial data be on our books? Now, yes, serial daters can be on our books who pretend they want a relationship Mm -hmm. when really they love the buzz of going on a new date every single time. And what tends to happen is, you know, there there are those particular clients and you know match we collaborate with other matchmakers and what will happen is someone will say somebody's name and they'll go oh so and so's still on my books and we'll say still she's been with you or he's been with you for a year you know they've had eight ten introductions Mm. what's wrong you know where's the problem and the other matchmaker will often say i don't think they know what they're looking for now for me and my clients we want them off the books we want them gone. Right. We want to bring new blood in. You know, it's it's an interesting business model where you actually want to say goodbye to your clients and not have them back again. 
in a way I have the same. I mean, there's some that are willing to go deeper and deeper so I can work with them repeatedly. But the ones that come with a specific issue to overcome, I want to help them with that and let them go into their life with, you know, absolutely. So I think that there's definitely an element of those that are, but it's too expensive a way of, you know, unless money is really no object, which often with some of the clients, if they're, you know, if they're high net worth and really, you know, that we're talking millionaires and billionaires, which of course is our, you know, a lot of my client base, but I obviously have my, I call my everyday normal people like myself, you know, who isn't in that category where, you know, it's something that, you know, I, you want to invest in it because it is something that is important to you. You want to be with right. somebody or you want a partner or you want companionship. So if we take away the word relationship, because that does seem quite formal, doesn't it? If we say, you know, the client will be coming to me because they want companionship from someone who's in a like-minded mindset, who wants to be with somebody, who wants to go on dates, who wants to explore an adventure and and travel and do things as a unit Mm -hmm. rather than solo. So yes, I have them. Ultimately, they want to do that continuously with that person. So then we use the word relationship, don't we? Right, Um, right. And so some quick fire questions. What's roughly the ages of people on your books? Yeah, my youngest is 25. My oldest is 81. Amazing. Yeah, I think the oldest client I ever worked with was in his 80s as well. And youngest, I'm going to go with 25 because I think any younger than that didn't feel right. Yeah. Um, (laughs) Okay. And then is your matchmaking service um, specifically kind of heterosexual men and women situation? No, no, no. no. I work with um, gay men as well. Okay. Okay. you know, my, my divisions are, because I'm Jewish, I do have a Jewish lane, a Jewish uh-huh. division, and I um, didn't want to be pigeonholed just because I'm Jewish. I can only match Jewish people because I'm sure. fully inclusive. So we work with anybody and everybody who fits the criteria of, of the business. And I do have a lot of experience working with gay men. So I, I match gay men. I haven't worked with a lot of gay women yet. And that's something that, you know, I welcome. I have been approached, but I haven't yet agreed to take on certain clients purely because I felt that I didn't have enough of a market, enough of a database to be able to support them. But that's not to say, you know, so we are fully inclusive and I'm sure the time will come. um, You know, I have the opportunity to work with people who are transgender, et cetera, going through all sorts of different looks. I love that so much because I think before we were speaking, I just was making an assumption about it. So that's really great to know. I love that there's bespoke matchmaking for people of all genders, all sexual persuasions. That is fucking beautiful. Love it. I feel a bit emotional. I mean, my guys are mostly straight, cisgendered, heterosexual men. Yeah. Um, but I, you know, all sorts of people listen to the podcast. I'm, I feel quite teary and emotional. So that's really beautiful. I'm really, I'm really grateful to know that. Now I've forgotten all the other questions I was going to ask. <laughs> ask about age and that. Oh, I know. I was going to ask, tell me one or two of your favorite stories that you've had, like oh, that have fallen in love or great matches that were made. Okay. Like success okay. stories. So I'll, well, I'll tell you my story, which was, which is a funny starting story, a quick one. 
I was, when I started the business last year, I was single, you know, I'm, I'm divorced, had, had a long marriage, was married to a narcissist, yawn, I won't go into the, into the details there, you know, uh-huh. that's another podcast, uh, you know, a loveless uh, marriage. But anyway, I was headhunting for a client early days last year in the middle of the pandemic. And uh, I may have told you this, um, and I had hunted a dental surgeon for a female, he, 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 for she, and um, never even introduced him to the client because I decided that I wanted him for myself. So <laughs> I took the plunge, which I suppose some could argue is completely unprofessional and it's not something that I would do again. But I actually said to him, you know, I'd really like to have a coffee with you outside of, you know, the workplace, which we did. We were then in lockdown and then we dated through social distancing, through through the pandemic. And that was quite interesting until I discovered that he actually wasn't divorced and oh. the relationship came to a to a close when his divorce started um, earlier on this year. So that was really funny. That was interesting. Let me think about uh, some funny... Well, I mean, you know, I've got a beautiful, beautiful story at the moment where, um, again, a couple, first introduction, first date, fell in love. They celebrated their first anniversary on August the 1st this year. And they will get engaged next year. And they will please God or whatever we believe in be my first actual marriage. Um, I have got another couple that have just got engaged. Um, I didn't introduce them as such, but I was very involved in helping the romance with date coaching. So again, they, they both said, you know, they want to sort of say that I, you know, I was very involved in making it work. And that was very interesting because they were work colleagues and Mm. he left his place of work. He was a CEO. She was one of the project managers. She left, went elsewhere. He invited her for dinner and she approached me and said, you know, I don't know how to read the signals, you know, and I just said, I got the feedback from that, that their first meeting and basically read, read the language and said, that's a date. And yeah. it was right. So, yeah, oh. they're getting married in June next year at Tower Bridge. And you'll be there, I hope. <laughs> I'll be at the party. They're having a very yeah. close sort of family thing. But, yeah, no, I'll definitely be at the party. And I was the first person she told and also first person to see her wedding dress. So I felt really honoured and privileged to have been included there. So, yeah. So, I mean, I can tell you stories like this. I could fill the whole podcast. It is amazing, isn't it? I love a good love story. Yeah. I had a client get in touch with me recently. I haven't seen him for years, like at least five years, possibly more. And we worked, we did a little bit of work together off and on, and he was awesome. Wasn't particularly interested in a relationship at the time. And he messaged me and said, I just wanted you to know that I got married last year and we have a baby on the way and I put it all down to the work that you and I did together. Oh, that's beautiful. I I cried because I don't know, maybe you stay in touch with your couples forever, but once my guys go off and live their life, some of them stay in touch and some of them don't, you know, so to, to get an update five years later, Oh, that's beautiful. I'm I'm hoping for that. I mean, obviously, my business isn't as established as yours. You know, we're coming up to um, the first actual year since I, you know, even though I launched it in February 2020, you know, it'll, it, it had its sort of official launch in October 2020. So we're coming up to the first year. And um, yeah, I'm really looking forward to that because I just think that, yeah, that's beautiful. And it shows that what you're doing, especially what you're doing, Rebecca, is so important you know, and you never know when, how great the impact is and when it is that that person will be able to come out of, because because you've got to be able to come out of the space that you're in 
and see the old you, haven't you? To be able yeah. to sort of say, well, hang on a minute, that was then. And by the fact that you've said they're having a baby, I mean, amazing. This this person obviously came to you and they were way far away from, from that amazing result. So well yeah. done you. Yeah. And he was certain that was never going to happen for him. But it's, you know, in a way, I mean, I know our work is different, but it, there's so much overlap in that if someone comes to you and says they're ready for a relationship and you know they're not because your intuition and the questions you ask and, you know, your whole onboarding process or whatever you call it, then they still have an opportunity, whether it's with you or your team or somewhere else, they still have an opportunity to grow and to become the person who's ready, you know, which is awesome because they might, if they weren't coming to you, like you said before, and they were on these apps, that is just going to destroy them. (laughs) You know, Yes, something that you've just said just has has reminded me of uh, a couple of, well, it happens quite a lot, actually. And when somebody finally decides that they want to work with me and people will say to me, you know, we've seen you on the TV six months ago. We heard you on the radio three months ago. It isn't an instant purchase. You know, it's Mm -hmm. something that's taking them time to process and decide on and then they make the plunge. And sometimes, and it happens more so as time's gone on, when they've made that decision and they come on the journey with us, I may not match them they may meet somebody of their own accord. And the reason why they meet that person and they'll come to me and they'll say, you'll never guess what's happened. This guy came around the house or this woman approached me in the street or whatever. And, you know, it was like an explosion of, you know, magic going off around me and I can't believe it. And I'm seeing them and what do you think? And where does that leave us? And I say to them, you know, you've because you committed to this journey, you know, you're now in a positive energy space and your body is your body and your mind and everything. And, and that energy has been picked up and is resonating. So those, and I say to them, you have to be open-minded and open-bodied to come yes. on this journey with me, you know, yeah. because, and I say to them, because who knows what's coming? I may not at the end of the contractual period have found you your ideal soulmate. But what might have happened, which always happens, is you've had this incredible journey of self-discovery. You have either lost weight, been restyled, got a new wardrobe, had your hair changed, learned how to date, had some intimacy coaching, um, date coaching. You know, we do dummy dates. We do virtual dummy dates. We, you know, we they, they could have been with the PT. Whatever it is on that journey, you are not the person that rang me or emailed me three months ago, six months ago, or a year ago. And that's a beautiful thing to see. It's like seeing a person, you know, come out of their cocoon. And often they don't even recognize it. Yeah. Themselves. You, yeah know, you know, you probably find that, don't you? You say to them, well, let's have a look at the notes from when we very first spoke. Let me remind you of that conversation. And, and, and that's a really amazing thing. I mean, rarely, rarely has anyone gone during that journey oh my god it's absolutely terrible I can't bear finding all of this out about myself and oh my god everything that's happening to me these changes it's too much I hate it I have to stop it never never happens because this is all about learning to love yourself absolutely and same with my work you know I I talk quite openly about the work will challenge you there may be tears it is not an easy path you know you have to go in and face yourself And we've hidden a lot of stuff away. However, 
it is always worth the treasure at the end. There's always treasure. Ah, yeah, exactly. always treasure. Exactly. And as I say to my clients when they ring me for the first time and I say to them, whoa, hang on a minute. Let me look and see in my field of unicorns in my back garden <laughs> who is farting gold glitter today. Right. Because it's all about having unrealistic expectations and having realistic expectations and knowing who we are and who we're going to become. And if someone is very, very close, you know this yourself, and it's like, nope, I know all the answers. I know what to do. You're the expert. Go and sort it and bring it to me when it's done. Fortunately, it just doesn't work like that. You've got to put the effort in. Yeah, because ultimately that effort you're talking about, that effort you put in is bringing your full self, showing up vulnerably and courageously with as much of yourself as you have access to. And that is what creates intimacy. Absolutely. If you're hiding behind a facade, you're not going to find the right person or it might feel like you did because you're pretending to be someone you're not, but that's not sustainable. is isn't going to go anywhere, you know? So, yeah. Oh, I love what you do so much, you know, especially when I see like those of my guys who go on dating apps, I always tell them, don't plan to be there for long. Use it as a tool to talk to women if you haven't, or, you know, something like that. But you know, like, well, exactly what you said, as you open up to the potential and possibility for someone to come into your life, don't, you, the app might be, have been a stepping stone for that, but then your life becomes a possibility for that. And there's something that we haven't touched on, uh, which I think is fundamental to all of this, and it's self-worth, yes. knowing your self-worth and having a love of yourself and a protection of yourself and an understanding of yourself and say, I am worthy of being treated well, of being loved, of being cared for. And if I'm putting myself onto the app, what will this do to me? You know, how will this affect my self-worth? How will I be able to process criticism, rudeness, being... Rejection. Rejection, being ghosted, you know, having rude photographs sent to me, having rude requests, are being asked for money. I mean, the list is endless. And then, you know, my self-worth equating to my time. You know, it's time and self-worth, you know, and you've got to look at both of them and say, where does that fit in? So if you're going to go, and that's why also when, when clients come to a matchmaker, you know, they often are time poor and they often can have a very high esteem of themselves or a very low esteem of themselves. And so, again, you know, we sometimes I'll say to a client, you know, your story and your situation and potentially your issues are much older and larger than this scenario. And we by me putting you on a, an introduction is not going to fix all of that. And it's, and it's having sort of the expertise and the knowledge to be able to recognize that and to be brave enough. Cause I have to be quite brave and bold. Sure. Say it, um, you know, and I think, and, and again, I am very aware that not every matchmaker does that, you know, yeah. because they, they see it, that it's their job not to question. It's their job just to facilitate the service. Um, but you could say it's not facilitating the service if yeah. you are matching someone who's not ready to be matched. You know, if I was if I went there and was matched with someone who they kind of knew wasn't ready or was, you know, whatever it was, then they're not serving either person. Yeah. 
Yeah. So, you know, classic example, um, you know, I have a client, he, a gentleman who has paid for my services. He's very demanding. He's very rude. Uh, he's very rude to the people that I introduce him to. I have had to threaten him a couple of times. And I don't mean threatened violently, <laughs> but remind of the code of conduct that he signed, because that's also part and parcel of, you know, the client agreement with me. You know, I have a code of conduct and an expectation of their behavior and, and behaving because they, they are there on behalf of my business. I have made the introduction and um, this particular person, you know, I was getting feedback as to each time, you know, he was being introduced, you know, he almost had like an interview list and he'd be grilling, you know, the the, the poor unsuspecting female. Um, and, you know, these are perfectly uh, successful, you know, established, driven, ambitious women being made to feel quite ridiculous, you know, and you know, women women in their 50s and a gentleman in, in his early 60s. And so in, in this instance, you know, again, it is my responsibility to ensure that um, not only for the protection of my clients, but how my clients behave when they are out meeting people. And that's really, really important. And that's not something you get on a date app, not something that you get through friends. No one is there to catch you as you fall. And that's why, you know, my clients pay for that service, you know, I am there as their confidant, if you like, for feedback before, during and after. I think that's so important because how can you develop if you, you know, how can you progress if you don't get feedback? And right. Criticism, constructive criticism. You um, have a lot of roles with it. Like, like you say, matchmaker, but within that, there's so many strands of yeah. what you have yeah. to do. By my choice and also by, you know, the, the very nature of the industry, you know, a very good bespoke matchmaker, we're talking an elite matchmaker, which is obviously the, the field that I work in. That is our role. You know, matchmaker in its old traditional true form was a person, I and mean, it comes from it comes from the Jewish community, you know, many, many centuries ago, where it would be the person um, doing the two families, the, the match related on money, related on lifestyle, re- related on religious observance, and it, the person in the middle is the mediator, the matchmaker. Um, and, and there'd be no interest in anything else the person's feelings, the per you know, none of that. And also right. much in arranged marriages, you know, the argument can be that it's a very matter of fact business deal, a business transaction. And what a modern bespoke matchmaker like myself should be bringing to the table is all of those different elements of service. Yeah. You know, if we can't provide the service, we certainly should be able to signpost our clients to the very best people that can help them develop however that development may be. I don't mean help as in, you know, their poorly help. I mean help as in self-development, self-awareness, self-worth, and self-love. Yeah, beautiful. And I love the distinction you made between sort of matchmaking of old and and modern matchmaking, which is, and because you've been talking about this the whole way through, is how embodied are they? Are they open-hearted? What's the mental, emotional, psychological aspects going on here? You know, so like you say, you know, it's not what it used to be. This is people who are really looking to be intimate and in love, not just a good match for financial or religious reasons. So yeah. you have to have a lot of, uh, I uh, can't even think the metaphor of what you've got many that. strands to your abilities. Yeah. Yeah. Different, different hats, you know, Sometimes, you know, and and sometimes, you know, it does get to the point where I can say to them as well, 
sometimes it does get to the point where I can I I can and will say I cannot help you. Right. I'm unable to facilitate any more of this relationship between our service and you. Yeah, you go get some help. <laughs> and I terminate, you know, and I terminate the contract. Mm. I have terminated clients' contracts. You know, I have declined taking people on my books, mm. and I have taken people off my books mid-service because they have, you know, there have been um, scenarios, behaviours that have risen, or it can come down quite simply as to how they speak to me and my staff. Right. Yeah. You know, because that's quite an indicator. If they're speaking that way to me and my staff, how are they speaking to people on a date? Of course. I mean, and I, I have the same, you know, there's an application form on my website. Some people will email me directly. That's one thing. But if they use the application form, but don't answer the questions, for me, that's already a red flag. Yes. What are you, you know? asking? What, what are you asking? Well, if you're not going to answer the questions that are there, there's something, yeah, something, I mean, it's not always, some people just don't like the application form and that's how they've, but it's always like with you, I'm sure, asking the right questions back to them and then you're using your intuition, what's really going on here. Yeah, yeah. You know, do they just need help to communicate? You know, I think that comes down to, I am not a trained psychiatrist. I am not a trained psychologist and neither do I profess to be. And I think that anybody who, you know, I have studied and I have been on courses and I have found it interesting when guidance has suggested that you would potentially step into those areas. And that is not an area where I am expert. I will gladly introduce you to those experts but not only that it's not my job to even recognize if there's a, you know serious mental health issues for example sure. um you know personality disorders etc but i certainly am trained to spot the flags you know i can see the red flags and also i am trained and knowledgeable enough to discuss preferences deal breakers and red flags and so often I do talk about intimacy with my clients. I talk about intimacy with my gay clients. You know, intimacy with my gay clients is far more important than with my hetero cis clients, as we've identified. And so I have to be able to communicate with them and have that knowledge on them. It's about trust. And of course, the client agreement ensures that, you know, they're very aware of the protection that they've got from a sort of GDPR client confidentiality, because that's paramount. Sure. But we all keep secrets buried very, very, very deep. And sometimes this journey can unlock those secrets and sometimes it can manifest. And sometimes the ugly side of people can appear. And that is when I've had to terminate because I've been unable to, to help them through it, not relating to the matches, but relating to the fact that this is not the right place, you know, the right part. Right. Of journey. And so we've come to, come to, a, come to a close and taken them off the books. Mm-hmm. I tell you what, you must have very interesting days <laughs> having to navigate all that and ultimately, ultimately helping people be introduced to fall in love or, you know, to find someone to care about, yeah. care about yeah. them. Exactly. I mean, we've talked about that. I mean, you know, I am an absolute hopeless romantic. You know, I believe in true love. You know, my parents have been married for 55 years. They met wow. when they were 15. Um, you know, I come from a very solid background. Yes, I was married to a narcissist, but it doesn't matter. You know, I believe in monogamy. I believe in true love. I believe in loyalty. And, you know, they're the foundations that of my beliefs. And it's not my place to impart them on any of my clients. But for me, 
the when I get a successful introduction, I'm just as joyful as they are. You know, I'm absolutely, you know, I'm dreaming. I'm dreaming of weddings. I'm dreaming, of, you know, sunsets and beautiful picnics. You know, I'm I'm formulating their dates for them, you know, and I truly, that's why I know that this is the path that I should be on because I'm in a job, you know, yes, every day is so challenging, Rebecca. It's so, so I never know what the day will look like, but the end goal, the results when I hit payday and get, you know, get that match. Yeah just joyful you know and I literally it's that's when I get my chemical kick and and you'll see it on my social media I'm singing from the rooftops the whole world gets to join in on that person's match not obviously I don't I don't disclose but they but people know that it's happened and people love that they do people love a true happy story yeah no I see your posts when there's that a big win or a big match or something and it does it almost like it boosts my I guess it's dopamine or serotonin or whatever the good, good yeah. chemicals are. People love that. You know, it gives yeah. hope that it's possible for them. You know, who doesn't like a good love story, right? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, you know, and it's really hard because for client confidentiality, nobody wants me to start shouting about their, the fact that they've come to me in the same way with you. You know, right. you can't be telling the public what goes on behind closed doors with your clients. Uh-uh. So promoting you know when people say well how many google reviews have you got and how many trust pilots and it's like well my uh-uh. don't want anyone to know that's right you know, are you i can only tell you the good stuff kind of loosely you know yeah. so i was having this chat with somebody the other day and saying so he gets his he's a coach and he gets clients from he, he does some coach training and then all his coaching clients adore him and they pass his name on and he's got like a waiting list I don't get word of mouth clients very often. I have a few, like if there's a few people I know in different industries that will send mm. clients who need sexual, spiritual help, that kind of thing. But mostly it's not word of mouth. And I'm it's sure you're similar. Search. Yeah, it's a Google search. Yes. Uh, and that's what, you know, they watch me on social media. They watch my web, they look at my website. They they watch the TV clips. They listen to the radio. They piece it all together. They then look at all other matchmakers and they make the decision. Some of them will speak to every matchmaker. Some of them will speak to matchmakers, dating age. You know, they'll do this, you know, this process of elimination. Others are referred to me by other clients, which I'm sure happens in your instance. But it is not a quick decision. No, no. Well, I say people come to me when they've done, you know, therapy and talking therapy, and they maybe done some other areas of personal development, spiritual development, sexual development, but it hasn't all pieced together. I'm often like the missing link, as it were. And I think you probably are too, because people will, they'll try the free versions of stuff. And yeah. like you say, yeah. they might try even dating agencies, but you are the creme de la creme. Yeah. And so- you know, like you say, they watch you for a while before they make that decision to jump in. They watch and they listen and they watch. And when we have that sort of first discovery call, I've worked with people all my life. You know, I've had a 30-year career in PR and marketing. So communication is my primary skill, reading a person and communication. And I think that that really is a skill. You know, you've either got it or you haven't. Mm -hmm. And you can be an incredible communicator, but absolutely rubbish in relationships. And there are other reasons. So whereas I will be able to communicate with them and I I can normally 
pretty much determine the kind of person they are, what their love language is. I don't use Myers-Briggs or personality tests. I don't rely on anybody else or any computerized system. I ask a set of preferencing questions and I do a visual, either real face-to-face meeting where I can obviously assess body language as well. But obviously, even if it's through Zoom, you can still pick up so much as well. And um, it really is quite fascinating what you can read from a person instantly, isn't it, Rebecca? Yeah. You'll, you'll have this yourself, you know, their energy, their body language, their eye contact, their body smell, you know, how they present themselves. And I can distinguish very, very quickly whether or not there's somebody that I can work with. And I'm rarely wrong. I think you'll probably yeah. find we've been, we've both probably been working for so long that, you know, you're a good judge of character. You know, I can usually tell from an email. I, I, I totally hear you. For me, I'm the same with texting. Yeah, um, funny to know. I've got a Facebook page, actually, that I've been growing for this business, um, particularly for singles, where I'm able to sort of build the database. And I'm spending a lot of time giving them free help on, you know, what their profile photo should look like, what they should be saying, how they should be posting. And even from that, exactly like you said, I only have to look in the photo. Yeah, the photo that they've put, I can tell whether they're insecure. I can tell whether they've got good hygiene. I can tell whether they've got that their house proud. You know, there's a whole yeah. plethora of instant information that we can pick. And so again, that's on a date app. You know, you have no idea from that one picture. It may not. You know, it could be catfished. It could be completely not even that person. Not well, even home. I told you, I years and years and years ago went agreed to go on a date with the chap who turned out to be 20 years older than his photo. Yeah. Been there, done like, that myself. 20, 20 years. I wouldn't notice. Yeah. <laughs> Not only that, I had 20 years and 20 stone bigger. Oh. I mean, this guy turned up and, you know, in hindsight, I should have just turned around and run. But I actually went on the date. See, I left mid-date. I, he bought me a glass of wine. We're sitting in a beer garden kind of thing. And I was just fascinated, like to know what, like, did he, what was going on here? Who did he think he was? And, you know, and after that glass of wine, I was like, you know what, we're done here. And I left. Yeah. Good for you. I'm just like, left, but I, you know, these are all life experiences, aren't they? Laura, I'm so grateful to you for coming on today. We're going to put all your information in the show notes, but tell us, like, where's the best place for someone to come and watch you before they're ready to sign up? Gorgeous. Well, the easiest place to find me across the social across social media and the internet is to look at the Matchmaker UK. That's the website. It's thematchmaker.uk. It's the Matchmaker UK on Instagram, Twitter, TikTok. You know, search the hashtag. You will find me. Okay, lovely. And they can. I will put all of that in the show notes and all the links to everything. And I'm yeah. I'm so grateful. I'm going to start to, now that I understand matchmaking better as well. I've got a few guys in mind that. Um, I'll start pushing in that direction because I think it's just such a beautiful way to go about when you're ready for commitment, relationship, and the top of that. And like you say, in the hand-holding, I'm going to send them to you. (laughs) Gorgeous. And of course, as you know, any that require your very specialist services, it will be my pleasure to reciprocate. So, lovely talking. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening to the Sexual Alchemy Podcast with Rebecca Lowry. If this podcast has aroused your curiosity and you'd like to take things further, you can get a copy of my free video training, Reclaiming Your Intuitive, Confident, Sensual Self. The link is in the show notes below, wherever you are listening.